0: Hey, coaches. Thank you so much for popping into this episode of Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. This year is full of new challenges for coaches, and one of these is that we're often having to meet students' and teachers' needs in a virtual or blended learning setting. So today, we have a special guest to help us navigate the virtual world. Sarah Miller of Sarah Miller Tech is going to help us learn about some resources and tools we can use to provide virtual PD to teachers. Thank you for being here, Sarah.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Um, Can you introduce yourself and your educational background a little bit?
1: Sure. My name is Sarah Miller, as you said, and I live in South Georgia. I spent four years in the classroom teaching middle grades and then two years as our district's only instructional technology specialist. But I happened to take last year off to travel, and as you can imagine, with (laughs) COVID, the travel plans didn't go as we planned. What a bummer. Oh my gosh. Yes. I finally got the courage to take a year off. Yeah. And we had Hurricane Dorian and Mm -hmm. then um, COVID. So anyways, I'm returning to the school system next school year as a media specialist. So I'll still be doing um, technology PD on a smaller scale.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Um, So then I'm sure that you did a lot of thinking about we've done a lot of thinking about this topic yourself to help you kind of prepare for next year because it's going to be a whole different ball game absolutely so this year, this coming year, coaches are gonna be providing at least some of their learning opportunities for teachers virtually instead of in person. They may be able to do some things in person depending on where they are and what their district policies are, but either way, it's a valuable tool you know, to be able to provide um, learning virtually, whether you're able to do it in person or not. It's just a bonus. So what is the easiest way to get started in doing some of that?
1: To me, the easiest way to get started is to first determine a platform And then from there, you can determine when and how you're going to get teachers on board. Mm -hmm. So the platform that you choose should be one that you can post everything all in one place. That'll just make it easier for everyone. So this could be like Google Classroom, Google Sites, Microsoft Teams, or any other learning management system. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, the best way to get teachers on board is to make it as easy as possible for them to do what you're asking. Mm -hmm. So if you want them to join your Google Classroom, just add them yourself. Then (laughs) you can send them an email saying that they're added and give them their first task right there. You know, um, as many hoops as you can go through for them, Mm is going to make it a lot easier. Um, And from my personal experience, most of your tech-resistant or non-techie teachers will prefer printable handouts of step-by-step directions over a tutorial video. So this would be as you're getting started with your new... um, LMS or Google Classroom, giving them those printable guides instead of a link to a video is going to be a little bit more effective for
0: Mm -hmm. them. Yeah, I can see that because going back and forth sometimes, watching the video, going, you know, changing, shifting screens, you know, navigating multiple things at the same time can be overwhelming for people, um, especially if it's something new that they haven't seen before. You know, watching a little piece, pausing the video, clicking the thing, going back to the other thing. Um, So if they can just print it out, they're like, okay, at least I can check off the steps as I go. (laughs)
1: Right. Right. Especially for your, your teachers who are just not tech savvy. They're Mm -hmm. uncomfortable with technology to start with. Yes. Um, I, when I first started, I was video tutorial heavy and I spent all this time making the videos and then my teachers were like, do you have it? Where do you have any printed notes that I can take? I just want to put it in my binder. Yes. (laughs) No. So, you know, it just, um, to me making step-by-step guides, takes so much more time, but I have to tell you it's worth it. When I get the engagement from the teachers from it, it made it hundred percent worth it. Uh, So I'm not saying you shouldn't do video tutorials, but at least have the printable as an option. Do you do screenshots? Do you include screenshots in those printable guides? Um, You know, it just depends on what we're doing. If I were doing something like navigating their side of Google Classroom as a student, I probably would include Mm -hmm. screenshots Um, if I'm doing like how to do something in Google Docs I'll at least include little pictures of the buttons that they're clicking on okay but maybe not a screenshot you know it's hard to balance how many screenshots and images you need because you don't want to give them a 20 page document for something (laughs) just a few steps yes Um, so you know to find that balance is important but I do try to do visual cues with that too
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause too much information as well. If they need to click on one small button on the whole screen and it can, it can be overwhelming to look at a whole screen full of stuff whenever you just need one little piece. <laughs> right. Hey coaches. I'm just going to pop in here really fast because I want to share something with you that I am so excited about. My course for elementary literacy coaches, the confident literacy coach is live. It's up and running and you can get access to it right now now so here's the deal when i started out as a coach i struggled i had trouble defining my role and communicating it with teachers and administration and i honestly didn't even know that was something i was going to have to do i dreaded plc days because getting my teachers to collaborate to speak the same language and create lesson plans together was a total nightmare and i was so stressed out by modeling and co-teaching in classrooms that i actually avoided it for a long time it was not a happy time for me, <laughs> but things got so much better. I figured out processes to help my teams of teachers work together. I focused on best practices in reading and writing and identified some high impact strategies to support alignment on my campus. And I began to spend more time in classrooms after I planned thoroughly with teachers before lessons. Basically, I started coaching with confidence. I've collected all the processes and tools that I used to do this work, and I've put it all together in one place so you can coach with confidence too. The Confident Literacy Coach is your one-stop shop for everything literacy coaching in elementary school. You'll learn how to define your role and communicate it to your administrator, what best practices you should spend your time on, and my process for collaborative planning, plus so much more that will take your coaching life from frustrated and overwhelmed to effective and confident. You can check it out at Buzzing with Miss Just click the Confident Literacy Coach at the bottom of the latest post, and you'll learn exactly what's in the course and why it will change your coaching for the better. I can't wait to see you there. So, do you have a favorite? You mentioned a couple different platforms. Do you have one that you prefer or that you use with your teachers already?
1: Um, I think Google Classroom is just the easiest because Mm. most. Um, at least, in, you know, my district just Google district. So um, obviously, if you're a Microsoft, that wouldn't be the way to go. But just use whatever your teachers are used to using. Mm-hmm. Um, I would recommend that probably over Google sites, but I know some people are successful with that. So mm-hmm. um, I think either could be a good option it just depends on where your teachers are. Okay, yeah, that makes a
0: lot of sense. So what are some tools that coaches can use to provide synchronous professional development? So whenever everybody is sitting in a room getting PD at the exact same time, we say our PDs on Thursday at 2 o'clock and everybody sits down at the computer and does PD at the same time. What are some tools that coaches can use to do that?
1: Um, I think the most common platforms are – Um, You know, things that people are already using like Google Meet, Zoom, GoToMeeting, Mm -hmm. and then you can present your presentation while you're screen sharing. You can make your presentation interactive um, when you're screen sharing by using Pear Deck or Nearpod, some of those Mm -hmm. those tools. Um, But I also have a few recommendations for leading those synchronous professional developments.
0: Oh, that'd be great. Um, I've got five of them. Oh, good. We like, numbers. we like lists. I'm a bulleted list kind of person. Yes. Good. I've got lots of lists. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. So the first, um, and they're not in order of importance, Okay. but the, <laughs> the first one is to send an agenda beforehand with norms and frequently asked questions. I like that. So these FAQs would include how to log in, when they should log in, how long is it's going to take, whether or not they their mics should be muted, or if they'll be required to share, if they're going to be, um, you know, things that your teachers would probably want to know ahead of time in yeah. this new setting. Like, is anybody going to be able to see me? That's what <laughs> that's what I would want to yeah. know. Do I need to put my makeup on?
0: Right. or <laughs> Can do I do? look like I do now, or do <laughs> I need to look better than I do now?
1: <laughs> right. And are people going to be able to hear me? You know, so then I can let my family know, hey, you know, I've got a right. <laughs> Um, okay. So number two is to have someone designated to take notes on a shared document oh, and yes. then share that link along with the recorded session later. I love that. I'm, I don't know if you could tell that I'm actually writing these down right
0: now, <laughs> but seriously, that is a very good tip. Because you know you're going to get, oh, I missed that part, and I didn't hear what the, what happened, and oh, my dog was barking,
1: and so, yeah. that's Right, right. It. So have the notes in a shared document, and then just to have one person that's designated mm-hmm. is going to take the pressure um, off of, you know, I don't know that I would necessarily, depending on the group of teachers, I may not announce that only one person is taking notes. Right. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> and suddenly nobody else is taking notes, right? Right. Like, <laughs> Nobody's been listening anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So number two. Um, okay, So number three is to use the chat feature to share those links to resources during the session. Um, I've been involved with a couple, you know, as um, I guess a student or a viewer and um, that makes it so much easier for me because sometimes I want to go ahead and dig in and get, get information oh. while I can. I don't wanna have to wait until tomorrow. So if you can have those resources that you can go ahead and share with the um, in the chat feature, that's going to let some of your, um, your overachieving teachers, let them go ahead and start digging in. Yeah, and also the person who is taking those notes can easily copy and paste that
0: link into those shared notes. Perfect, mm-hmm,
1: yeah. yeah. Okay, cool, I like that. Okay, so number four, is to make a copy or download the chat transcript before closing your session. Yes. So this one you can one. keep a record. You can refer back to it. The person taking the notes can access it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's funny, like when you're doing some of these and you're presenting, it's really easy to miss some of those questions. Yeah. Yeah, if they come in at the same
0: time, because I, you know, we do. I do webinars with um, Nicole Turner for Coffee and Coaching,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: our membership, and it's also Coffee and Coaching sessions are available to everybody for free. And so we do a monthly webinar, and we try because there's two of us. We can, we usually can keep track if somebody misses one, or you know, we mm-hmm. go oh, we we miss one. We got to go back and answer that. But I feel like if it was just one person trying to answer all those questions, that would be a lot to keep to. To right. keep of, it would be very easy to miss stuff. And then people feel slighted and they didn't get the information they needed. And so, yeah, that's a good point. Right.
1: And, you know, you can also, you know, somebody else may have the same question, mm-hmm. but may not have seen it in the chat too. So, right. um, anyways, I'm just, you know, I save and keep everything. So I'm just one of yes. those people. So, same. same. <laughs> um, so I would want to keep a copy of all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last tip, number five, is to, and this is probably the most important to keep your direct instruction short and to the point. Yeah. So just keep in mind that even adults have a difficult time focusing during these types of sessions. Yeah. There's typically a lot going on. It doesn't feel, I, even myself,
0: I, it doesn't feel as real as if I'm in person. And so I have a hard time sometimes not feeling like I'm just watching TV. <laughs> you <know>? Right, right. <laughs> so yeah, that makes it really challenging. I like that tip. But do you have like a timeframe that is, um, a good idea that you have found that works well with adults?
1: Um, I would say, you know, I had, I don't have too much experience with, um, like these kind of synchronous sessions, like leading a Mm -hmm. live meeting, Mm -hmm. but, um, I, I know with videos for sure, 15 to 20 minutes is tops. So your direct instruction, I would say probably even the same, maybe 15, 20 minutes at the most. Um, Yeah. And that, that could be kind of long too, Mm -hmm. if there's no, like, interaction going on, right? Yeah. I think about even if you're preparing
0: like a presentation or a slideshow or a workshop or something, Mm -hmm. you want to make sure that every couple of minutes you have something for people to respond to, that they can write a question in the chat box, or they can do something, show you a symbol or hold up a piece of paper or something so that (laughs) they can, they can interact somehow. And they're not just like staring at a screen for, you know, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So those were your five tips for synchronous professional development. You've got um, send an agenda with norms and FAQs in advance. Have someone designated to take notes on a shared document and share those after the meeting ends. Use a chat feature to share links to resources during the session. Make a copy um, of, of the or download the chat transcript before you close out the lesson and then keep the direct instruction short and to the point. I think those are awesome tips just wanted to summarize those in case anybody missed anything. So did you have anything else you wanted to add about synch- synchronous professional learning? Yep, that's it. Okay, awesome. So then what are some tools that coaches can use to provide asynchronous professional development? Because one of the big issues that we have is getting everybody in the same place at the same time, <laughs> you know, whenever you're working from home or, you know, everybody kind of has different schedules. Um, and so Another issue is sort of um, differentiating professional development, and that can be difficult to do in this if you don't have a really good idea on how to, like, provide resources to teachers that they can independently use. So do you have any ideas on how people could use, um, or what tools people could use for asynchronous professional development?
1: Yeah, and I think, um, so I've got some that come to mind, and I'll elaborate some on those, but I think it really, truly just depends on your objective, Mm-hmm. And your teacher's personality, so just keep that in mind. As um, as I elaborate some on mine, um, I think choice boards can be really powerful, and I know that we use them a lot with students. But I think um, I think it's a great way to do PD as well. Just like our students, teacher really teachers really appreciate the power of choice. Mm-hmm. So I think choice boards are a great tool, and you can do that with Google Docs or Google Slides, um, Padlet or Wakelet are also good options and then Flipgrid. Mm -hmm. So I'll expand um, on those. So the choice boards in Google Docs or Google Slides will allow your coaches to link out to other resources or tasks for the teachers to complete. And something else to consider with choice boards is um, that Google Forms has a question type that is file upload. So you can insert a link to the Google Form inside your choice board and that way you can collect all of the different types of responses in one place, even if they're different file types. So okay. if you're allowing teachers to, um, to choose their choice of expression. So if you're saying, you know, you could, you could write a paragraph, you could send a video, you could do an audio, you know, things like that, have them submit it through that Google form so that you as the coach only has to go to one place to find all of the responses. You know, you're I not, love looking, that. it's yeah. not calling up your email. Right. Yeah. There's (laughs) one little bank. You check it, you know what it's for. It's all in one spot. Yeah. I love that. And you can see who submitted and who hasn't quickly. Um, So that's the choice boards. Um, Padlet and Wakelet are really similar in that they're both platforms to curate content. So I am more familiar with Padlet. It's been around, I think a little bit longer than Wakelet has. Um, I use Padlet a lot while I was in the classroom because there's so many different ways that you can use it. So for example, you can easily set up um, like a daily to-do, to-do list, like Monday to-do list followed by a Tuesday to-do list. So you can sort of spread out um, what you need your teachers to complete. Okay. And then also in Padlet, um, if you use a different type of board, you can have teachers make posts there and it could act as a discussion board um, because they can comment on others. I think they can like it too. Um, so they can, they can interact there. And they also have, um, Wakelet 2 has a, a setting where you can use it as a hub of resources that are organized by categories. So if you wanted to just dump all in one place, all of our screencasting tools, you know, you could just link all of them in there and leave some notes about them. Okay. All that's in one place. Mm-hmm. So it curates content, but you can organize them um, and really just be creative with how you want to use those. hmm um, Flipgrid is a really good prompt and response tool. So I've seen this used in the classroom, but I can see it used for professional development as well. So basically, the coach could post a prompt, and then teachers would create the video response within Flipgrid, Flipgrid and then others could view and comment there.
0: Okay, great. So that way, you get some kind of interaction and response from people. You can give them like a um, like an independent task that they can do, and they can kind of report back there.
1: Right. And it's through video. So mm-hmm. some teachers, you know, the videos can be silly, like they can add the little stickers on their face and, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Um, you know, from my experience, some teachers are, they really have a good time with that. And then other right. teachers absolutely hate it. So I think, um, you know, that would be a great. Oppor- yeah, that would be a great opportunity for your choice board. You can do for yes. a split grid option, or you could just send me an audio file, voice memo, you know, however. Um, so I have four tips. For the asynchronous sessions. Okay. So the first one is um, use templates or visual cues. So if you're having teachers create something, use a template with them. If you're having teachers enter information, use visual cues such as a pencil icon for a typing placeholder or a play icon for a video link, things like that. Okay. that will sort of push you to really think about how you could scaffold this process for your non-techie teachers. Mm-hmm. Like you really are going to have to keep them in the forefront when you're planning these asynchronous sessions. Yes. Yeah. That's really good. Nobody's going to be there to say whenever they go, I don't have
0: that. My screen doesn't look like that. I don't have- <laughs> right. know. Where's the video I'm clicking it. Where is yes. it? It's not opening. <laughs> <laughs> right. And there's 17 open videos behind their screen. They just really, right. they're back there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, that's a good point.
1: Um, and, you know, with the t- templates, if you are asking them, um, let's say, to create an interactive lesson on Google Slides, mm-hmm. but your, your objective of the lesson is to practice using tables and movable pieces, mm-hmm. maybe go ahead and send them a template that's already decorated mm-hmm. so that they're not spending 10 years trying to figure yeah. out how to make the font bigger.
0: Right. You know what I
1: mean? Like we're really focusing on our objective is inserting tables and those movable pieces. So get some templates ready and have all of that stuff there for them so that they can actually focus on what you're trying to teach them and not get bogged down with the extras. Yes. I like that that's a good point. and then some teachers are going to want to
0: start from scratch or try something out different and i think that will be no problem that they can do that. but the, the scaffolding is there for the people who just like i need to do what i need to do and i don't want to spend a lot of time <laughs>
1: in all the bonuses. right. Mm-hmm. especially since it's asynchronous you, know, you could mm-hmm. you could give them the option, you know, here's a template if you want to go ahead and get right. started or see what your goal image is. And then if you want to start from scratch, go ahead. Mm -hmm. I would be one that wants to start from scratch because I want to use my own fonts and my own colors. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I have worked with a ton of teachers who don't care about that. Like they just want, get it done. Right. They need to just get it, get it done with. Mm -hmm. And that's okay too. Right. Um, okay. So step two, we talked about before, but is providing the step-by-step guides Mm -hmm. in a printable way. Mm -hmm. So, um, I won't go much into that since we talked about it before, but that's um, number two, tip number two. So tip number three is to provide context of the resources that you're sharing. So I've seen a lot um, of emails that get sent out to teachers and like, oh, here's resources for STEM day or here's yeah. resources for STEM day. And it's just like a list of a hundred different things. Yeah, it's, it's overwhelming. So, Yes. And then it's frustrating because then I'll click on the first three. Well, I can't like, I don't like any of those. So then right. I give up on it. Yes. So when you're sharing those resources, think about how your teacher should use it and what you're expecting them to do with it. Mm-hmm. So that could just be a couple of sentences. So they're not having to like investigate on what that is, mm-hmm. or it could be something really elaborate. It just depends on how much time you want to spend. hmm that's a good point. Like I even think about blog posts and whenever it'll, it says like
0: 100, um, I don't know, fun kid crafts to do for a farm themed birthday, because that's what my daughter's last birthday was. <laughs> we were allowed to have birthday parties. Like that's, right. birthday, that's what it was. So we, you know, I would look through these different posts and whenever all they had was a list of links and you had to click the link to go to the other post and see what the thing looked like. I was like, I don't have time for this. So I would just backtrack and go somewhere else. But if they had a picture of every single finished project and then a link, then I would actually spend some time on that page.
1: All right. Cause you can sift through it much faster. Right. Yeah, that's a good tip.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So, last tip is to be cautious of trying to use too many different tools. Mm-hmm. So that's why I recommend choosing one platform because, like, like I said before, you really have to keep your your non techy or tech resistant teachers at the forefront when you're doing this because um, yeah. they're going to get frustrated if they have to go all over here, there, and yonder to find. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing of I can't find it is because, you know, it's not in its normal place. Right. So if you send them an email every time, then they're going to check their email when they can't find it. If you mm-hmm. post it in Google Classroom every time, they're going to go there to find it. So just be cautious of using too many different tools. So I think you can use a lot of different tools in your platform. That's totally fine, but just have one place that you're housing everything will make it a lot easier. Yes, that's perfect.
0: All right, great. So Mm -hmm. I've got your four tips for asynchronous uh, professional learning. Use templates um, and visual cues, like if Mm -hmm. teachers are creating a response or some kind of assignment, then you have a template and you provide that information for them already. They don't have to start from scratch. Um, The second one was provide the step-by-step printable guide. Third is provide context for resources that you're sharing. And the fourth is be cautious of using too many different tools So really choose like one hub that everybody can access your stuff through. Yes, perfect, okay. Anything else about asynchronous uh, PD? That's all I got. Okay, awesome. So (laughs) collaboration, you kind of mentioned this a little bit. You talked about Padlet um, and Wakelet. And so I'm sure that there are lots of other resources for this as well. But collaboration is a real focus in professional learning. We want our teachers to become communities of people, right? And actually Mm -hmm. collaborate and share and, and build understanding. So are there ways that coaches can have teachers collaborate virtually during
1: professional learning? So I I think this is huge and it's really important as well. But I think the trick here is that not all of your teachers are going to be comfortable using social media for work. Mm -hmm. Um, I think collaborating through a private Facebook group or through Twitter chats are a great idea, Mm -hmm. but I cannot imagine trying to get all of my teachers to join the private Facebook group. Like this is not going to happen. No. And they're not most of them are not going to create a separate page like for work and then they're not going to check it and (laughs) um, so i think if your teachers are on board then absolutely use hashtags on instagram do the Mm private facebook group or twitter chats Um, but if your teachers are not on board then um, you're kind of stuck with using discussion post type activities through padlet or flipgrid Mm -hmm. Um, and then of course with collaboration you know in in the google apps you can have multiple people chat and work in the same file at the same time. And as the owner of the document, you can view the activity dashboard, which is in the tools section. And that'll allow you to view everything that's gone on in the file. So who's opened it, who's clicked around, who's edited. You'll be able to see that through the activity dashboard if you need to monitor those things. Okay,
0: that's great. So then you can use, yeah, social media groups could be a way to do that if you have a faculty that's interested in that. But like you said, I know that I have have worked with teachers before who have been not on social media at all or very concerned about their personal and professional stuff mixing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, that might be something that would only work in very cer- specific circumstances. But I think that, yeah, Google Apps are a great way to do that because multiple people can have access um, so they can build something together. I mean, they can even build lessons that they can then use with their own students.
1: And so. there's so many tools within those that you can use. And it may take, um, if that's the direction that your schools are going, it may take some training with those teachers. Like um, in the comments, you know, if you're commenting on a Google Doc, you can use um, the little at sign and like kind of tag someone mm-hmm. and it'll, it'll make it, it'll send them an email and saying that they have a task that someone's tagged you in. So there know. are some tools. There are some tools. It, it's either the at sign or the plus. I can't remember. They change it so often. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Every time I turn around, they're updating, which is good. Yeah, um, it's yeah but also fun. a lot to keep up with. <laughs> yeah. Right. So if you, as a coach, if that's the direction you're going, go ahead and you know spend a ten minute, um, you know, little lesson on how to do those things more effectively, so that because yeah. um, there's so much more than just like me and you are on at the same time typing over each other. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's a little bit more that you can do with it.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's a good idea. Um, So whenever we we plan professional development, we often make sure that we embed collaboration and opportunities for teachers to work together. And we also want teachers to do like hands-on stuff, things that they can manipulate and move and try out. Um, And how can we mimic that using technology?
1: So I think hands-on is definitely the way to go if you're really trying to solidify that learning. Mm -hmm. And there really are so many ways that you can mimic that with technology. But again, it just depends on the topic or the skill that you're teaching. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you're wanting your teachers to practice deconstructing their standards, you could create an interactive activity inside Google slides and you could include a place for teachers to manipulate different parts of the standards. um, you know, like dragging things around or categorizing, um, basically like if you had a, a, worksheet or, you know, whatever you're using in the in-person one and try to replicate it digitally, Google sites is a great tool to use for that. <clears throat> if you're wanting teachers to, to learn about a new strategy, then you can model it through a vers- virtual lesson using that strategy. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you're teaching the explore, explain, apply strategy, you could model that in a hyperdoc lesson over the strategy itself. So with that example, you would have a HyperDoc, which is um, a Google Doc that has links in it basically. So with that example, your first section would be Explore. So here you could have links to samples of lessons that use that strategy. And then the prompt could have teachers respond with what do those lessons have in common or their thoughts on those lessons in general. Then the second section would be the explain. So here you could include a brief video or a podcast so they could choose whether to watch the video or listen to the podcast um, and then explain the strategy or that explains the strategy. Mm -hmm. And then the apply section of the hyperdoc would be where the teachers actually create or collaborate on creating a lesson using the strategy. Mm -hmm. So in that example, you're using the technology to model the strategy and probably you're modeling it the way that the teachers would have to create it virtually in their classrooms. Right. Yeah, I love that. I I have so
0: Google Slides you mentioned and I um I hadn't used Google Slides with like movable pieces until uh, March. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Until <laughs> you <suddenly>. have to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so I was, you know, in March, I was like, I don't know how to do this. And people are doing this really cool stuff where you can sort things and match things mm-hmm. and move stuff around and build things, construct. And I was like, I need to learn how to do that. And I for a minute I thought at first I thought it was gonna be super complex. And then I actually watched like a
1: tutorial on it and I was like, this is not a big deal. <laughs> well, I right, like right. it. I dependent. think the most important, you know, if if you're, you know, whoever's listening, if you are one who's not really tried this, Mm -hmm. um, if you, if you can envision the Google slide and all the extra space around the slide, you can just dump whatever you need to dump in there and it'll hold when you push it out to your teachers or to your students. So, Um, so feel free to clutter that up with uh, stuff for them to move around and drag and (laughs) It's really neat. You
0: just insert different objects and then you can, you know, you put text in those boxes, whatever you need. Um, and because like sorts, card sorts is something that I use a lot in professional development with teachers Mm -hmm. because I want them to have discussions and make decisions and have to say, I think this is this, or I think this is this. You know, kind of defend their position and and come up with understanding that way um, and so that's something that I want to integrate into professional learning online as well because mm-hmm. I think that there's value in that
1: and I think with some of the um some of the tools you know you can you can send participants into different rooms and so that could be oh, yeah. something where you're sharing on your screen the different categories and um, you know whatever they're having to sort into those categories, mm-hmm. and then you can still have those people interacting within those rooms as a group or as a pair oh, I and like then that. come back together and discuss. I like that a lot. Yeah. Cause it gives them an opportunity to actually just like
0: they would in a, a mm-hmm. you know, in-person setting. Um, so I do a, this is a sidebar, I do a <laughs> mom's fitness class a few days a week and I used to do it in person, but it's a stroller class and, um, I mean, my kid hates being in a stroller for an hour. So I stopped going. Um, So anyway, (laughs) now I do it virtually because now she can go play with her magnet tiles or whatever. And I can do class for an hour. But the other day we were having to do, usually they do breakout sessions and stuff. Like you're like, you're talking about if you're doing partner work, but the other day, instead they just had us, we were tagging off in partners and doing different things. And then we just had to unmute ourselves and like yell at the other person that it was their (laughs) turn. And it was like, I was so, at one point I yelled the wrong name. Like, I was like, this is so embarrassing. I my partner couldn't hear me because she was doing something else. And then she had to send me a message saying that she could hear me, but she was having to do an alternative exercise because she had hurt her ankle. And I was like, oh my oh gosh. My gosh. gosh. <laughs> so yeah, using those those small um, group setting, you know, virtual small groups online is, is just a great way to... Make sure that you don't have so much confusion whenever you're delivering something important and give people time to talk just like they would in person. I mean, how often do we break people off into groups of two or three or four mm-hmm. and
1: have them discuss something and then share out to the larger group, you know? Right. Well, that's and fun. I think that's, that's really important, especially when you're, um, when you're doing something with technology. You know, I, I still have to think about my non-tech savvy teachers and they may not want to ask you or in front of everybody. Right. Um, so they may save some of those questions until they break out. Um, just like they do in person, you know, some, some yes. people don't want to ask. Mm-hmm. So, that's true. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's a really good idea.
0: Yeah. It's a nice way to kind of minimize the, um, stress <laughs> of those situations. Right. <laughs> so you mentioned a little bit about, um, like recording video earlier and you talked about, you know, keeping your video short, do you have mm-hmm. any other tips, or you can also expound on that a little more if you'd like, for recording video that can help coaches create things that teachers actually want to watch, because that's a, that's, you know, that's a challenge that teachers mm-hmm. are doing, um, coaches do those, like, subscription boxes for teachers to where teachers can mm-hmm. um, learn more independently, but then it has to be something teachers are actually interested in sitting there for any length of time and, and learning from, right. and not everybody learns, as well from that medium, like you mentioned. So what, what can we do to actually get our teachers to want to watch our stuff?
1: (laughs) I was really excited when I saw this question, because I I think I was kind of expecting like how to record the videos, like a more technical question, but I'm really glad that you asked, um, how do we create things that teachers actually want to watch? (laughs) Um, Because it's really, you know, I mean, if you're tech savvy, it's really simple to just throw out a video, but right. um, I think the most important thing is to be positive and energetic. Okay. So most people tend to lose focus quickly. If it's someone just droning on with the camera facing their screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to say, even if you're incredibly uncomfortable in front of the camera, It's so much better for your audience, even if they can just see your face in the corner of the screen. Mm -hmm. Um, So I know that you probably don't want to put your makeup on and put your lipstick on and you don't have to. It's totally fine. Mm -hmm. But I think that being able to see your face makes a huge difference.
0: And if you have glasses mm
1: -hmm. like me, they probably can't
0: see your eyes anyway. Like I've had had a huge glare. Yeah, right. So it's probably fine.
1: Just turn the brightness on your screen (laughs) all the way up. There you go. And then they won't be able to tell that you're reading your script either.
0: Right. Yeah, they'll they'll make out that there's a
1: person there, but they don't need to see any details. (laughs) Yeah. So um, that is what I'm, so I guess my first tip would to be energetic. Mm -hmm. And the second, you know, and it almost may seem like, silly or you're being extra, but just like when you're, you know, like, just like when you're in front of the kids or the teachers in person, yep. you know, you have to bring that same energy. And sometimes that's harder for me, at least it's harder to do that in front of the screen than yeah. it is to do it in front of the people that I enjoy.
0: Yeah. You're not getting anything back. And then you're me- You can't stop looking at your own face and figuring so <laughs> out what is wrong with my face. Why is it doing that? Right. I know.
1: right? Or like, why is that in the background? Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Like, oh, that was, oh, I should, I should have angled it this way and that way. And yeah, it's easy to second guess yourself whenever you get started.
1: Yeah. So I, I think, um, to just get over that and just put your face in front of the camera.
0: Yeah. And you know,
1: I actually heard a
0: nice tip about if you are really uncomfortable with that, stick a post-it over your face so you can stop
1: staring at yourself. Right. Yes. Yes. Like on the screen. Yeah. that's Yeah. Great- like, yeah
0: mm-hmm. Literally stick it on your, and I've done that before. Whenever mm-hmm. I've been in a group setting talking to several people and my face is part of the gallery and I'm like, I don't want to see my face right now because it right. distracts me from looking at other people. So I cover it up.
1: Yeah. And sometimes if I'm feeling um, like I've done so many that I, I usually can just get started right away. But if I'm feeling um, maybe insecure about what I'm talking about or a little bit nervous, then I'll go ahead and turn the screen on and just start practicing before I'm actually recording. Because mm-hmm. I noticed that, and of course I noticed this when I was editing, that when I first start out, my voice is really, really quiet. You know, hi guys, welcome to the video. And then later I'm using my teacher voice because I'm really passionate and excited. Yeah. Um, so I think sometimes giving myself the few minutes to kind of get used to, you know, talking to the computer by myself mm-hmm. right, <laughs> um, helps that. So. Another tip, like we talked about, was the 20-minute cap. Mm -hmm. Um, If you feel like your content is gonna be much longer, then you may want to consider breaking it up into two different videos. If you can't pare down the content, then just try to break it up into two separate videos. Okay, yeah, chunk it. Right, so my last tip is to go on YouTube yourself and watch, you know, like if you have some favorites, watch their channel and see, like ask yourself why am I drawn to this person hmm. um, my inspiration is a youtuber named Amy Landino from Amy TV she's a lifestyle productivity vlogger and she's basically who I want to be when I grow up as far as youtubers <laughs> go um, she has she just brings such a great energy and she's so like easy like it really feels like you're just sitting with a friend chatting about whatever she's talking about mm-hmm. um, but, anytime if I'm really struggling to find that, I'll go watch a few of her videos and try to channel my inner Amy. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: a good good tip because, um, well, just like anything else, we need mentors in the work that we're Mm -hmm. doing, right? We need mentor texts. We need, um, if we're learning how to do any skill, we look to somebody who's good at it and try to mimic what they do. So why wouldn't we do that with this, this situation? That's great
1: especially if you're already uncomfortable, you know, there's some yeah. people who just like naturally bring this great presence to the camera. Right. Um, and then some of us have to really be inspired. <laughs> Work at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so
0: you had mentioned some like technical tips as well. And, and I know that that's not the que- what the question was that I asked you about, but what are some technical um, things that people could keep in mind whenever they're trying to record?
1: Um, well, I guess it just depends on, um, like everything, like what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. If you are, um, just doing a screencast, then, um, you know, a lot of those screencasting tools have where you can just kind of pause and restart. And even, um, like I use QuickTime, I have a Mac, so I use QuickTime to do my, um, my video and my screen recordings, but, um, pausing is a great tool with the video, um, like on my face, the video, the, I guess my biggest tip just from an editing standpoint is if you mess up, don't Mm -hmm. stop the recording, just regroup, give yourself a break, and then Keep going mm-hmm. because to me, editing like when you're trying to add all these different clips in there, oh, yeah, it, it just can get out of hand real quick because you started and then you stopped. And then, do I delete it? I don't have to start over every time. Mm-hmm. So, just to um, you don't have to have to actually press pause, but if you just pause yourself and right. straighten your face out, you know, so where you can have a clean break in the editing, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I think that would be my number one tip. That's a good one because it is
0: easier to take something out just to cut something out with, I mean, even I've used, I've used QuickTime as well. And I've used, um, like Screencast-O-Matic and I've used mm-hmm. Nagit. and like with Screencast-O-Matic, you can do their really basic editing. And as long as you leave a long enough chunk of time mm-hmm. in between your mess up and, and when you restart, we can just pull it out right there without even having to do anything complicated, you know? Um, mm-hmm. but if you're trying to glue things together, it is more complicated.
1: Sure. Right. Especially if your face is involved, <laughs> because you know, like you've got to give your enough, yourself enough time. Cause I always make like this really annoyed face when I mess up. <laughs> So I have to give myself enough time to like fix my face and cut yeah. that out. Right. Yeah. Cause then it looks, I mean, nobody wants to see that.
0: Right. <laughs> right? Nobody wants to see when we're yeah. like, oh.
1: <laughs> or if my dog starts barking, then I'm like, oh my yeah. gosh, I'm yelling at my dog and then I have to like regroup. And everyone knows how mean we are. Right. I'm <laughs> a terrible mommy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Okay. Yeah. Those are great tips. Um, and you, you said you use QuickTime just because that's, what's available on a Mac. It's free. If you've got a Mac, you've got it. It's a great way to record your screen. Mm -hmm. Um, so anything else about, about video that you want to throw in there before we go? I don't think so. Okay. All right. Awesome. Um, so where can people go if they'd like to learn more about, um, about tools that they can use about, and I know that, that your forte and your strength is, is technology and not necessarily coaching technology. But I think that first of all, so many coaches wear multiple hats, right? And then they become the technology coach as well. Right. And then, cause not every school has a dedicated technology coach. And then on top of that, um, I mean, we're all going to be, become very technologically savvy very soon. <laughs> right. <laughs> Think so, <you're> right.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: right. So what is, where can people go if they want to learn more about the kind of work that you do? And can you tell us a little bit about the kind of work that you do?
1: Um, well, I actually, for this question, made a list of like my go-to resources. Okay. Awesome. Um, <laughs> so none of these are mine. Okay. <laughs> and then you can tell us <laughs> yours right. I'll, I'll <laughs> at the end. <laughs> um, but I have a list of several and with any of these, you can just do a Google search and mm-hmm. they should come right up. Okay. Um, ditch that textbook is a great one. Control alt achieve hmm. cool cat teacher teaching forward with Jen Judkins and class tech tips with Monica Burns. Okay. So those are going to be great for integrating technology. And of course they are keeping, you know, I just checked them the other day to make sure they were still current. Yes. Um, they, they update pretty regularly with distance learning and I used ditch that textbook a whole lot um, last week when I was trying to like refresh myself with, um, with mm-hmm. some of these tools. So they, they all have a lot of really, really good resources and a lot of them will expand on the stuff that I talked about.
0: Okay, great. That's awesome. Yeah, it's good to have a good solid resource so you're not just randomly Googling. <laughs> um, what is the number one takeaway you want people to walk away with from this conversation? What do you want them to remember?
1: Um, I think in my opinion, teachers tend to be similar to our students in that they respond well when they have a choice. Mm-hmm. So they will more likely feel respected by you if they have the opportunity to choose. And so that could be choice of engagement. Or choice of expression Mm -hmm. and you as the coach will be able to sprinkle these choices in a lot easier through technology so keeping that um, giving your teachers choice of engagement or expression and you don't have to have a choice board for everything that you use like you can simplify it some but just keeping that in mind um, that teachers need to have a choice I like that Um, even simple options Mm -hmm. right right and most importantly, though, my number one takeaway is that you'll just have to love your teachers through their hard time of balancing <laughs> teaching virtually and learning virtually. Both of those are going to be really new to a lot of teachers. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that was one of the biggest challenges
0: that, or one of the challenges that instructional coaches faced this spring is for years, they've provided training on Google Classroom, and on Flipgrid, and on all of these different tools, and teachers were just like, okay, great, 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 and then they go back to the rooms, do their own thing, Mm
1: -hmm. and then all of a
0: sudden, everything hits the fan, and you're like, how do I use this? I need to know how to do this, and it's like, I've been trying to teach you this right here. (laughs)
1: Like, I remember that One time, maybe you said something about Google Classroom. Yeah, one time. Yeah, I said that, that one time. Right. We had a whole year dedicated to that. That time? Okay. (laughs) Go check your binders. (laughs) Your binders. I gave you all those printables.
0: (laughs) So I think that that was really hard for coaches to kind of like swallow that and just just get through it and say, okay, what do I need to do to help you? Because at this point, we got to make sure it happens for kids. It's Mm -hmm. just necessary. Yeah so okay so now I'll re-ask my other question that I already asked but I should have asked it now <laughs> so how can people find you online and can you tell us a little bit about what kinds of resources you have and what kinds of tools you, you make available for people
1: sure I um, am pretty easy to find online my website is sarahmillertech.com mm-hmm. um, I also have a YouTube channel which is pretty new so I and my Instagram is at sarahmillertech too so I on my teachers pay Teachers store really focus on um, social studies resources for Georgia teachers. Okay. So um, I'm really concentrated in Georgia with Georgia teachers there, but on my Instagram and my blog on YouTube, I'm trying to add more technology stuff mm-hmm. that can be more universal besides just social studies. Okay, great. So, um, my teachers pay teacher stuff has digital activities, but it's more for teachers than it is for coaches, but I'm trying to sort of, you know, fold those in as well.
0: Sure. And I think that um, teachers, I mean, coaches make a lot of recommendations for teachers. They help teachers Mm -hmm. find resources. They help teachers find like mentor lessons that they can use to learn from. And so, um, yeah, I'm sure the coaches are going to be excited to look up your stuff. So I have a next step for you coaches. Um, And really, like, like we talked about, it's really better to focus on a few things rather than trying to do everything. So my next step for you today is to explore just a few of the tools that Sarah has shared here today and then see which ones you'd like to add to your toolbox. Something that you can commit to using several times to get good at it. And then you can always add another thing. Um, but that's my, my recommendation to you is to try out something first. And then you can always add something. You can come back and listen to this episode as many times as you want to add <laughs> more stuff. And of course, check out the show notes for um, some of the, the links that that she mentioned here today. We'll have those um, for you on the blog, BuzzingWithMissBee.com. And you can hunt for this episode with Sarah Miller. So until I talk to you again next week, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching.